what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and woo, it is draft day, baby. And I have on the line longtime friend that's been a while because he's a father now, but I have my co host, my buddy, Bobby. Bobby, are you there? What up? Don't be on. I'm back on the Just the West podcast. Looking forward to do some draft talk. Um, Thanks for the invitation back on, man. Of course, man. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's been a minute for, for myself personally, too. Uh, I took a couple of weeks just to, I don't know, shelter in place, be safe, and you know, do things outside of football. Um, but here we are now. We are literally draft day. Uh, earlier this week, I had a pod just giving my initial thoughts about team needs in the NFC West. But since it is draft day, I thought it would be very appropriate to, um, to have a pod on this holiday, which is draft day. And the NFL draft goes from the 23rd, the 24th, to the 25th. And so the first day is committed just to the first round. The second day is second and third round. And I think after that, it's it's a big whirlwind of, of mid and late round picks. Um, Bobby, how are you preparing this draft? Are you excited? How, how do you feel about this? Being that uh, there's been no live sports for quite a while now, and jazz, I'm super excited about it. It's going to be fun to see where some of these prospects land. I think there's a lot of uh, top-name talent available, and it'll be interesting to see where they go. Uh, we had talked before the pod about how it's such an unknown for some of these NFL teams. Now they're going to be barricaded in, in their home office and on the phone versus in a room with all their trusted uh, trusted companions of the organization. So we'll see. It, it, but I, overall, I'm very excited, and I think it's going to be a lot of can be fun drafts to watch. You know, that, that's an interesting point, too, about the NFL drafts, let alone the preparation with it, because, you know, the draft was supposed to be in Las Vegas. It was supposed to be a big event like they've done in years past, whether it's been in Chicago, in Dallas, and whatnot. But this is the first time that every general manager is going to do it at the comfort of their home, including Roger Goodell, including everyone for that matter. Um Quick question, and it's, it's kind of funny, too, because like I saw John Lynch. He had his little preview of his drafts room at his house. He had like seven monitors. I saw Dan Snyder. He had like 25. I, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, is it just like a fantasy football draft? Do you think it's, it's simple? Do you, do you think you need to have that much equipment? I mean, what's the worst that could happen, I, I, I guess, you know? The worst that could happen would be some kind of cable communication meltdown failure. Uh, but overall, I think that most teams should be prepared. Uh, there should be some kind of way to be able to FaceTime, have someone on the iPad, a monitor set up. I mean, all these guys are um, in a very fiscal, responsible place where they can make those kind of purchases to make things happen. I mean, it's 2020, uh, for Christ's sake. You know, it, it seems like they're exactly, worrying exactly. a little tidbit much than I would have expected. Yeah, and I, it, it'll be interesting to see you know how there's a war room. I wonder how many GMs and head coaches, how big the war room get as the uh, as the the Zoom expands. You know, do you normally you normally let ten people in your war room? Do you have those ten people in your Zoom chat, or do you have four or five? Do you have like the Ravens have like forty something scouts, and they're usually all kind of a part of the draft process. Are they all in on the Zoom chat? Or is there like multiple Zoom chats going on? Like it'll be it'll be kind of cool to see how the communication goes down. 
And some general managers are a little bit more tech savvy than others. Let's just say that because I know that, well, yeah. Jerry Jones is the owner and the general manager. So I'll be intrigued to see how he goes about his business versus like, yeah. you know, like your, your John Schneider's, your, um, your John, your John Lynch's in the, in the NFC West. So that's all I'm saying, but, um, let's go ahead. Do you want to talk some NFL draft? Let's do it. All right. Let me open one. All right. Awesome. Okay, so going into this NFL draft, so let's go ahead and look at it right now. We have 32 teams. Um, you know, just to really quickly recap the NFC West before we talk about the NFL draft overall. The Cardinals have the eighth overall pick. The Niners they had the 13th overall pick thanks to the DeForest Buckner trade, where they traded uh, their defensive tackle to the Colts for a first round pick. Uh, the Seahawks they're always here in the spot in the late 20s. They had the 27th overall pick. And the Niners get the 31st overall pick because they were Super Bowl contenders in which the Chiefs get the 32, 32nd pick. I'm, I'm tripping. Um, the Rams, they do not have a first-round pick because that went away to Jalen Ramsey. Uh, but they have two second-round picks. Uh, one second-round pick coming from the Brandon Cooks trade to the Houston Texans. Uh, Bobby, as we look into this draft, I mean... The way I see it, it's very deep in pass catchers when it comes to receivers. It has a ton of offensive tackles, offensive linemen. There's four in particular that really stand out that can make the top 15. Uh, There's a couple edge rushers. There's not that many good tight ends that I expect to see in the first round. Uh, The same goes for running backs. I think there's a lot of cornerbacks, a lot of defensive backs for that matter. Um, How do you see this draft? I see it uh, as you do the Twitter search and you read the Patriot Report, ESPN, the NFL, um, kind of how you're saying big offensive linemen uh, will go early and there could be some movement up into the top 10 to 15, even top five to get some of those offensive linemen. Hunter receivers, but even though they'll big three in the first round, maybe four or five in the first round, there's 10 to 12 that are just like off the page can make a, a big splash in the NFL this upcoming season and, and, and their careers in general. And DBs, I didn't, I didn't know that, but as I was kind of reading some more of the stuff you've been publishing and some of the other stuff that I've been reading, there's, there's a lot of depth and defensive back, which I didn't know while I watched the college football last year. I didn't see a lot of front lines and juniors and seniors that were just, you know, really good. It's a really deep draft. Yeah, it's interesting. You have Chase Young as the top edge rusher, but after that um... – there's a bit of a drop-off in edge pass rushers because I know last year they had a ton of pass rushers. This year, it's kind of a bit... It falls down a bit that the second-best-rated pass rusher is uh, Kayla Vaughn Chasen from LSU, but it's mostly... It's a lot of cornerbacks. I mean, you have Jeff, yeah. Jeff Okuda, who could be number third overall to the Lions. Um, you have C.J. Henderson. Uh, and then after that, like, the mid-first round, you have, like, three, four different cornerbacks that could go in the first round, you know? Yeah, and uh, there's, there's some good quarterbacks, but it's not like a, I wouldn't say it's a loaded quarterback draft. I know the number one overall pick would be Joe Burrow, so, it, it, you know, we saw last year just totally run through college football. I mean, LSU team was stacked, and he played out of his mind. Um, I mean, Tua's in the mix, Herbert's in the mix, and then I hear over the last couple of weeks, um, that cat loved is in the mix. I mean, he could get picked early by a team who doesn't, 
you know, one of those teams like the Raiders or the Dolphins that doesn't pick somebody early with their second pick, maybe they get another quarterback or get a quarterback. Um, it's, it's interesting with the quarterback, but yeah. I feel I'm on the other end for that because here's the way I look at it. Um, the NFL offseason, this is the first time in a very long time when you look at free agency. I mean, you see fucking like Mike Glennon getting like $20 million in seasons past, right? But as of right now, I mean, Philip Rivers just got signed to like a, what, a $25 million contract. Jameis Winston's a free agent. Cam Newton's a free agent. Tom Brady just got signed. Um, freaking Joe Flacco's a free agent. And the reason why they're all free agents is because a lot of these NFL teams, they're they're very enamored by this quarterback class. Um, to your point, you potentially have four quarterbacks in the first round. Four quarterbacks in the first round, and then we're talking about Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love. You can make a case for 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 Eason as well, but you get what I'm saying. There's four potential first round pick quarterbacks, and whenever you have that, that's that's pretty exciting, you know. That is very exciting. I, I, you, you've proven me wrong again, and I like it. Uh, for someone who is in love with the quarterback position, um, that's really exciting. No, I didn't, I didn't think about that in, in, in a whole picture, but the lack of veterans, or the, sorry, the, the um, ton, like a load of veteran quarterbacks are sitting out there. I mean, when have you seen that? Like, like that Dan or Jameis, like those that, guys are proven commodities, and they're free agents. That never happens, and the reason why is because this never. draft class is kind of setting way for them. All these teams that are in need of a quarterback, they're kind of holding off and seeing what they can land in the drafts and then take it from there, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, to your point, I feel that Joe Burrow, he's, you know, obviously he had one hell of a season. He had 60 touchdowns. He won the big game for them. Actually, he won several big games for them. Um, the one knock on him is, you know, he, he had in this historic year – but he only did it for one season. Uh, Tua, obviously, you know where he's at. He's played at a very high level the last couple seasons. But injuries, that, that remains his, his biggest knock. I mean, whether it's been his hip, uh, his knees, his hand, uh, he, he keeps getting hurt. And I, I just feel like, at least for Tua, he's played at such a high level. But how high is his ceiling? Has he reached his, his ceiling? Has he peaked out? Uh, Justin Herbert, he has all the tangibles, all the tools you want in a quarterback. He's 6'5", 6'6", you know, tall, white quarterback, dreamy, dreamy looking guy in terms of a franchise quarterback. No homo, but you get what I'm saying. Um, oh, you get it. But at the same time, too, he looks pretty. He looks the part. But some, something has to do with his composure. When he gets a lot of pressure, uh, he seems to fold. And I want to remind everyone that Oregon had a very good offensive line. Their receiver sucks, but their offensive line was good. And that's worrisome. Uh, lastly, Jordan Love from Utah State. One of those, he's like the X factor. He's, he's the one that has uh, the strong cannon for, him, for an arm, but you wonder how it translates into the NFL. But he looks pretty. He's got a nice sticker tag price for his talents. Um, any other thoughts about these quarterbacks? I think you summed it up pretty well, man. I think that uh, Tua was so efficient in his college career. Like, I think he's one of the most efficient college quarterbacks ever. And he played in a lot of good games. Um, if he weren't hurt, I, I think he'd be the number one pick. Um, but with his injuries, it's huge. I mean, he, he could fall, and I think it would just be a, a dream landing for, 
somebody who may need a quarterback who doesn't have a top 10 pick and doesn't want to trade in into that fold. Um, and I don't know a lot about Jordan Love out of Utah State, but I'll take your word and know that he uh, uh, has talent and a uh, small program at Utah State was in a big name bowl last year. So, um, well, we'll see. It's exciting to talk about there, man. I'm getting fired up. So let's go ahead and transition. We talked a little bit about quarterbacks, and you know, obviously uh, there are four potential quarterbacks that are going to come in the first round. Uh, but let's go ahead and fast forward then, because you have the first round, but we want to talk NFC West football. Um, so, you know, we'll go from one. It's going to be Joe Burrow. Chase Young, I think, is going to be number two. Uh, Jeff Okuda, number three for the Lions. And then after that, it gets a little murky. Miami and the Chargers, they should be taking quarterbacks. Um, I, I expect the Panthers to either take, uh, they're going to take someone defensively. I, I just have a feeling for that. Uh, so going at number eight, I mean, if you're the Cardinals, you know, what are, what are you thinking? Um, the way I, I look at it, you should, by, by theory, you should have dibs on one of the top tackles, whether it's Jedrick Wills, whether it's Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas, Makai Becton. You could get rich. You could take a receiver, even though you just traded for uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You could get like a CD Lamb to pair up with Larry Fitz. That would make it really cool. Um, you could go defense. You could get Derek Brown, the run stuffer out of Auburn. You could go a lot of ways. I mean, what say you for this? FYI, for my mock, yeah, my mock draft, I had Derek Brown, defensive tackle, with the run stopper. That's who I opted for. What would you do? I'd love Derek Brown. Uh, stud in the middle. Uh, could even line out, line up, not in that tank position, but a little more 5 6 t- uh, technique from time to time if they need him to. Um, love him. And if he falls, I think it'll be a dream for somebody. But I think they got to go offensive bombing. you got to find somebody to protect Kyler. Um, we, we both are in love with Kyler Murray. I think he has all the intangibles to be successful beyond the type. Um, I think you got to go offensive lineman. Um, uh, works from Iowa looks pretty good. Yep. From Louisville could be a difference maker. Um, I, I just think they got to go offensive line. Okay. Well, let's just say at this point, all four tackles that are rated that high are on the board. Uh, which offensive line would be your number one pick for the Cardinals then? That is a great question. I, I with them, all of them, I'm going Jedrick Willis. Uh, Alabama, the dude that is just talent on talent, big boy, uh, play tackle, uh, and he just jumps off the page, man. The good thing about him is for, for Tua during his time at Alabama, he played right tackle anyways, and he's probably going to play right tackle for Kyler, who's also left-handed as well. So it should be a an instant plug-and-play if they go with uh, with Wills. Good knowledge, man. Lefty's a lefty. Great knowledge. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I, I, you know, whether it's Derek Brown or or Wills, I have no problems with that as well. I picked Derek Brown because he's the top-rated defensive tackle. Uh, he's an instant run stopper. I hope he gets a little bit more of a pass rush um, skill set later on as he develops in the NFL. But you know, for the worst ranked run defense, um, yeah, you can't go wrong. You pair him up with Jordan Phillips, who they got in free agency, and they had some edge pass rushers in Chandler Jones. I mean, yeah, it's. It's starting to come along. Then they also um, signed uh, Kennard for, from the Lions. So it's it's getting there. It's not there yet, but they're trying. You get what I'm saying? Oh, they need to add. They need to add. Um, the more talent they get off of the line, the caliber thing. And 
and uh, things can happen, man. Things can, can, can happen real quick with Hopkins out there. And, it's funny how that goes too, because just last year I felt like their roster was was in shambles. But you get the right quarterback uh, in the right system, and things are just looking a little bit sunnier on the other side now. For sure, totally agree. So let's go ahead and fast forward. So Cardinals are at eight, nine, ten. All right, nine is the Jaguars, ten is the Browns, Jets. So here's what's intriguing. So the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, by the way, the Las Vegas Raiders are at number 12, and the Niners are at number 13. And it feels like these two franchises, even though they're not both in California, but it seems like they're always staggered, whether it's 8-9, 12-13, whatever. But uh, both teams need a receiver. Uh, both teams could certainly use a cornerback. Actually, both teams could use, use a lot of things per se on 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 their teams. Um, if you're the Niners, I mean, what what is top of mind for you at number thirteen? Top of mind is um, you don't necessarily need best player available when you're in the Super Bowl the year before, which is really cool to say. And uh, gives me all gives me all the feels, even though we took that out. Uh, receiver, offensive line depth. And now you have to find a way to add depth to your defensive line to not replace Buckner, but help the guys that you already have in place there. Um, so in my eyes, I think you have to go. Um, if, if, <laughs> we, you just spent a bunch of time talking about Derek Brown. If Derek Brown will fall out of the top 10 and into like the Jets or the Raiders fans, I think the Niners got to make that phone call or they got to hope that he falls to 13, but I think he is just a prime prospect for them and can fit into what their defense is already doing. But if he's gone off the board, you go receiver and you hope the Raiders don't take Judy. Um, or I think C.D. Lamb. I actually like C.D. Lamb as a number one receiver. I, I could be talked out of that. I think he's an absolute stud. But uh, so, is, so is Judy. So uh, I would say receiver if the defensive tackle doesn't fall to you. Let me ask you this. Let's just say Derek Brown is off the board. Those Arizona Cardinals take him at number eight. Fast forward, you have Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. Would you take him at number 13, or is that too rich for you? In your eyes, do you see him more as an edge rusher or the defensive kind of tackle, eat-the-run player that they need there? That's the question. He's more of a Chris Jones from, from Kansas City Chiefs, meaning you know he, he's got some wiggle. Um I think more so for him, it's his motor that's been questioned. He he takes a couple plays off. That's been the skinny on him. So he could fit in with what the Niners are trying to do on defense on the line. Is what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think so. He's not like a you know he's not a nose tackle. That, that's for sure. He's 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 a versatile. Um, he's versatile. Like like I said, he's he's versatile in, in that Eric Armstead, more of a defensive tackle, but he could certainly. Um, he possesses more of a pass rush than, than Derek Brown. Let's just say that. Uh, so you're saying if he's there, him versus the receiver, that's tough, man, because they got to fill that hole in the D line. That's what, what their strength was to help everything in, in the uh, secondary and then along the linebacking core. Um, I'm in love with the receivers, but man, yeah, I guess I'd take him out there if he's there. He would Maybe, be, or I'd take all of this back. Hmm. The trade comes, and you can add a second or third or both to get for someone to take their team. I think you have to seriously consider it. 
Otherwise, you're going Kinlaw receiver. Okay. Okay. So the way I see it, and this is what I mocked uh, in my mock draft, I had the Raiders getting C.D. Lamb, which is perfectly fine. He's a great player, great yards after the catch. Uh, and then in my eyes, I think Kyle Shanahan gets his ideal receiver in Jerry Judy. He's a, a route-running technician. He's right around six feet. Um, good speed. Not great speed like Henry Ruggs, but a little bit of everything. Uh, the best route runner in probably the last couple years, and then he's ready to go. I think that receivers in general are going to have a hard time struggling, especially for this year, because of you know shelter in place. OTAs are going to be virtual. They're going to be limited in, in actually seeing the field to, to practice and get their reps in and then adjusting to the league. So I think that route running is going to be very important for any rookie to adjust, especially with the less, you know, the, the hampered playing time to develop in training camp. Um, I would go that route personally. Um, but having said that, the good thing about number 13, the way I see it is there's the top 15 picks are golden. You know, I think they're blue chip prospects on either either side of the spectrum where you can you can make a case. After the top 15, I think there is a bit of a drop off in terms of tiers. And so it was noted that John Lynch said that there are six players that they have on their board at number 13. And if those six are gone, he's most likely going to trade down. I'm curious to see what those six are. I have yeah. a I have a feeling one of them's Judy. I have a feeling uh, several of them are going to be the top offensive tackles. If not, I can see them training down. But I, I'd say sit there, let the draft come to them. Uh, if they can get a Jerry Judy, a Derek Brown, a Tristan Wirfs, maybe a, um, shoot, I, I don't even know what would happen if Isaiah Simmons were, were to drop down that, that far. But if one of those blue chip prospects were to fall to them, I would have no qualms with them sticking with the pick. But otherwise, it seems yeah. most likely they're going to trade back if they don't get those type of guys, you know? So are you foreseeing taking a tackle and sticking with a guard for a year until Staley's gone? Or what, what's, your, what's your game plan with an offensive tackle? I'd love to hear what you got to say there. Yeah, you know, the ideal thing would be because, you know, John Lynch and Kyle Shannon, they seem to love Iowa players. If Tristan Wirfs were to fall at 13, I think that would be a match made in heaven because he's kind of like a Brendan a Brendan Scherf type of prospect where he should be a tackle, but uh, at the very least, you know he's going to be a great guard. So that would be a stellar pick. Um, if not, yeah. I think that uh, I, I think very highly of, of Andrew Thomas. I think he has the highest floor, not necessarily the highest ceiling, but I know that he's going to be a solid tackle. Uh, Makai Becton, he's got all the tangibles. He's 365 pounds. He moves so well for that weight and and height. But then, I don't know. I don't know how nimble he is in Kyle Shanahan's scheme because he tends to go with more mobile linemen. Um, yeah. You know, I think Worfs would be the ideal pick. But, you know, if those picks don't happen, I, I don't mind trading down. And uh, it seems like Lynch has kind of alluded to that anyways, that he doesn't mind trading not one, but both first-round picks down anyways because they only have two first-round picks and they don't have any other picks until the fifth round. So they yeah, they don't mind. That, that's all I'm saying. I like it. I like it. Who's next? So after that, let's just go ahead and fast-forward quite a bit because we're just talking NFC West football, okay? 
Tampa Bay, Broncos, Falcons, Cowboys, Dolphins, Raiders, Jaguars, Eagles, Vikings, Patriots, Saints, Vikings, Dolphins, and now you have the Seahawks at number 27. And mind you, I, I swear they're always at 27 or 28. Yeah. They, they, I mean, good for them. They're always in playoff contention, which is, you know, that shows that they're, they're a good team. But uh, they usually do trade down. Um, they didn't trade down last time. Oh, well, actually, they did. They did trade down. They got LJ Collier. Um, the year before, they got Rashad Penny. But most of the time, they trade down. Uh, this year, kind of the same thing. They need pass rushers. Jadavion Clowney, who remains a free agent. Um, LJ Collier, like I alluded to, last year was their rookie. He didn't do much. He got lost in the rotation, and he had injuries. Their leading sack leader was Rasheem Green with five, just five sacks to lead the team. Um, he can certainly make a play for offensive line. Uh, they could probably use another receiver. But uh, what say you with, with uh, the Seattle Seahawks, man? Um, I'm a fan of the guys you are talking about. It's just uh, the kid out of Penn State. He was a very, very good head rusher last year for them. Uh, Manson Noy in the big in the Big Ten. Um, but I'm also looking at edge rusher. Um, I like receiver. I would have never thought receiver. Maybe even running back because they just you never know with those guys uh, in Seattle. But it looks like maybe an offensive lineman wouldn't hurt to add depth to where Russell Wilson has the ability to do what Russell Wilson does. So uh, I like what you're saying with edge rusher, and I would probably go with uh, some kind of O-line depth there to either slide someone in or to groom them for the future. Yeah, I mean, there are some, uh, maybe they're not not the top four, but you do have, like, it's crazy because you might have six, seven tackles taken in the first round, but you have... Uh, I mean, you have Josh Jones from Houston. You have Austin Jackson from USC. Um, you have some interior linemen, Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. I mean, you can go, you can go that route. Um, to your point about who I mocked, I had them getting an edge rusher in Yatur Gross Matos from from Penn State. Uh, very lanky guy, super skinny, um, rangy, agile athlete. I think his best football has yet to come. He's super raw. But he's one of those guys where, um, you know, for better or worse, his ceiling might be a little low, meaning that he, he, he has a bust factor. But I feel that his ceiling is through the roof. If they can really hone him down and coach him up, he could be something special for them. That all sounds really good and scares uh, me. Um, I, I think they almost, even if they have the ability to resign Clowney, they could still add a maybe edge just to get that one-two punch, but uh, I, I I can't turn it down with with uh, Gross Matos. Um, uh, it, I don't want to butcher anyone else's names, but it, uh, the AJ at Iowa edge rusher Espinisa. Yeah, Espinisa. Yep, he's good. He's good. He's good, and the kid at LSU Chaeson. Um, I remember watching him in the championship game. He wrecked some havoc. So, like you said, maybe the top 15 are legit because bottom 15 still has some bigger names with some talent, and I think the Seahawks will find a way to uh, maybe stick and, and grab one of these guys. Another train of thought, too. Um, it's not an immediate need right now, but it's one of those needs where a year out, it will become a need. And that's off linebacker 
So right now you have KJ Wrights, but he, I think he only has a year left on his deal, and he's getting pretty old. Obviously, you have Bobby Wagner, but outside of that, you know, if KJ Wright were to leave, he would have Cody Barton uh, from Utah as his replacement. You know, if Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen were to fall to them, um, those are the top-rated linebackers that super quick. They can get to the ball, three-down linebackers, super rangy. I could see them also taking a look at linebacker as well. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I could, uh, I could do something like that. Ed Rusher, offensive line, maybe, maybe like a, uh, I, you know, I mentioned running back for like a safety. And I'm looking at the the uh, CBS uh, mock draft, and it has the safety Delpit out of LSU, kind of like a gamble pick. Yeah, um, you have him. You have Xavier McKinney. Yeah, you, you have a, you have a couple people for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. We have the Rams. We have the Rams. No first round pick, but we'll talk about the Rams. So let's go ahead and fast forward to it. So let's just say we finish the first round. Actually, you know, don't fast forward quite yet. Let's not fast forward out of the first round. We'll get to the Rams because they have two second round picks. Um, but to round up this first round, you have the Niners with their own pick at number 31. Okay. Um, Excuse me. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No worries. So let's just say in the scenario that they, they pick some, well, it, you know what, fuck it, it doesn't matter. They, they, they do something at 13, whether they tra- trade out or select it, whatever. But at 31, I mean, you know, considering that they don't have any picks until the fifth round, uh, I think that this is a classic trade-down scenario in which you're going to have a team in need of a quarterback trade back into the first round, a la Lamar Jackson, a la Teddy Bridgewater, in which... You know, for a team that wants a quarterback, they trade back into the first round because of that fifth-year option that you get with first-round prospects. And if you can get the right quarterback on a very luxurious rookie salary scale, um, I could yeah. see I could see some some people trading into that and get some draft capital that way. Um, but otherwise. I did have them mocked to get Cesar Ruiz, a guard slash center from Michigan. He has a very high floor, an instant contributor to plug and play on this offensive line. But um, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you want, yeah, just let's just say trade trade down, or if not trade down, who, who would they get? Um, I think a trade down is awesome. It's a great move. Um, especially if you can stay at the top end of the second round or, or just make sure you find a way into the second round. Uh, plenty of DB, uh, maybe even some other offensive linemen that could help. In general, I think the trade-out is what you do. Uh, they don't necessarily need an edge rusher. They don't necessarily need some of these things that are going back into the first round. Um, I could see, I could totally see them taking someone like Ruiz who can really just be that uh, knock-knock, drag-knock with the run um, up the gut. So um, trade-out, yeah. But if not, if someone like the week is sitting there, I, I think Shanahan would sure like to have some more death at O-line. Okay. So who would be the pick? You know, in this scenario, like I said, it's a really um, fast mock draft because we simulated every other team. Let's, who, who would ideally be there at number 31 that you'd be okay with? Trayvon Diggs. Uh, DB Bama. Okay. Big, lengthy, got a little speed. 
can can cover some ground. I really liked him. Um, and to be able to start and play the amount of years he did at Alabama uh, means a lot to their just superstar depth they have in their depth charts. So, yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd be comfortable and excited about that. Right on. Okay, right on. I, I can see that. So let's go ahead and fast forward. We finished the first round, and this, we got to give those Los Angeles Rams some love. So they have two second-round picks, and pretty good right there, um, just a tidbit outside the top 50. They have the 52nd overall pick, and they have the 57th overall pick. So five spots in between each other, 52 and 57. I'll give the floor to you. Well, yeah, I'll give the floor to you. Um, any... Any players in mind, a position? I mean, I, I know this is a little murky by the 50s, but, I mean, what would be ideal for the Rams? Um, some kind of way to get an edge rusher with both those guys leading at Fowler and Matthews and, and some, like, something to help replace the girly void. I know that he wasn't all in last year, a lot of injuries and that. But look how effective the offense was when he was able to run the ball and talk and roll out of the play action. They were a Super Bowl team. Um, so I, I edge rusher, running back, if someone like DeAndre Swift from Georgia could fall, I think that would be a, just a dream come true. If not, J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State can do a lot of things out of the shotgun, plays his entire career. Um, uh, I'm totally spacing on the running back name from LSU Edwards, I think it was. Yeah, he's a cool he's guy. Yeah, he's good. Um, and then, of course, one of my favorites, Jonathan Taylor. But I think that running back, Ed Rush, um, is what the, their goal should be. So if if uh, if it were my pick, I think uh, I would try to get that running back, seeing that probably Swift goes early. Um so maybe we go with Jonathan Taylor, Dobbins. Oh, there's so many guys. Um, my my favorite guy. I know they don't need receivers, but I'm in love with Pittman. Um, Michael Pittman, the receiver out of USC. Off the page. Oh. I I am all in. If the Niners were able to trade out and get him in the second round, oh my goodness, that's what I feel like I'm off the page. Um, Rams pick 52. I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. You kind of had me in mind. I I think they need a running back as well. Um, Jonathan Taylor would be a great fit. I think that that LSU running back, Ellis, um, he's kind of like the guy that they drafted last year, you know, in the mid rounds too. Um, shifty, smaller back. So I think that Jonathan Taylor would be a good pick. Um, I think one of those two picks in the second round, since they lost Brandon Cooks, you know, I know that they're trying to go a little bit more two tight end sets with Gerald Everett and, and Tyler Higby, but you know, just to round out that group, you have um, you know you have Woods, you have Cup, you have Josh Reynolds, but this is a very deep wide receiver class, so I don't see why not. Uh, I think that someone's gonna fall uh, to them in the second round, whether it be Michael Pittman, which would be awesome, uh, Ty T Higgins out of Clemson, fast. Uh, Good guy that to get 50-50 balls. Uh, he needs to work against press coverage, but he's right there. Um, I think it would be a dream. Probably not going to happen if Denzel Mims out of Baylor were to happen. Um, but I think that someone out of that group in the receiver class will fall to them. Uh, I think that pass rush for Edge, since they lost Dante Fowler, it's a big hole. I know they signed Leonard 
uh, Leonard Floyd, but I'm not too sold on him at this point in his career. Yeah, and you always need pass rushers anyways. I mean, also, by, by the way, they, they cut Clay Matthews, so... Uh, I think that you know edge is a big thing. I think Josh Ush from uh, from Mich- uh, Ushay from Michigan would be a good fit for them. Um, that's you know offensive linemen too. I think that they could get, certainly get uh, some good value from an interior offensive lineman. Uh, maybe that maybe that uh, was it. Cushenberry, the the other center prospect from I'd like to say Ohio State. He was let me let me double check. LSU. LSU, there you go. He was right there with uh, with Ruiz in terms of top rated interior offensive lineman. Uh, yeah, Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU. I think he would be right there. Maybe Matt Hennessy, center from from Temple. But I think that there should be really good value at both the fifty second and fifty seventh spot. Nonetheless, you know, a lot of big names, a lot of uh, um, really good known college football players as I'm going through the prospects here. A lot of big names. Um, but a lot of talent. And I think the Rams are going to be just fine. Okay. We'll see how it goes. I think just to circle back, when you look at the Niners, the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Seahawks, I think all of them would be in sell mode, meaning that they would like to trade back. I know the Niners would like to trade back because they would like to get some mid-round picks. It seems like the Cardinals, they're not necessarily sold on anyone in particular at number eight. I could totally see them uh, trading back for someone in need of a quarterback, especially if someone like Tua or Herbert were to, were to fall. Um, yeah. I, I could say the same thing about the Seahawks because the Seahawks always trade back. It's just That's just what they do. And that's okay because you have a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson, so you can pick and choose after that. Uh, and I feel the same way with the Rams, even though that they're – you know, they they have a pretty good situation. They have two twos, they have two threes, a four. Not too bad to move up and down, but considering how much they've fucked up in the salary cap, uh, whether it be Todd Gurley or Brandon Cooks, they have a lot of dead money. So I think moving forward, they it would be in their best interest to accumulate more draft capital just because from a salary cap perspective, they need to sustain their roster with rookie contracts. Um, I think you hit the, the nail on the head there. Um, all the teams would love to improve their roster, but maybe the best move is to add more pick, more depth. And of course, um, it cheapens up the amount of money you have to spend on your draft pick. That's, that's a solid, solid point. And the, for the first time in, in a long time, actually, when you look at this division, which is the NFC West, it seems like they all are set on their quarterback position for now. You have the Cardinals with Kyler Murray, you have the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, you have the Niners with Jimmy G, and you have the Rams with Jared Goff. For better or worse, they all have either long-term deals or a lot of draft capital invested in them, you know? So I, I, I can see why all four teams wouldn't mind trading back down because, you know, they they have their quarterback. You are uh, absolutely true. I don't see any of the teams necessarily moving up to get a big name or even help to get a quarterback as well. So um, the strategy of moving back or staying put and taking uh, a need right there is uh, the right way to go. There we are. There we are. Okay, so we're we're at the fourth quarter of this pod. Really good. We're right at the 40-minute mark, which is awesome. 
any other final thoughts about this draft? I, I can't believe it's a couple hours away. Um, any other thoughts about this? The first virtual NFL draft. Uh, I really think it's going to be a lot of trades. I just have this gut feeling. Or maybe it's just, like, I'm so excited to watch it, and I hope this happens feeling. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of movement. Uh, I don't see the Bengals moving. I don't see the Jackson moving. And I could easily see the Lions getting out of that pick to try to get back and get more picks, especially for someone like the Raiders who may. We know they're not sold on their car. So uh, then moving up to get a quarterback that they want could be huge. Um, the Giants men moving back just a couple picks. Uh, the Dolphins even moving up to get somebody if the rumors are flying. Um, what do the Chargers do? It's just it's the, the momentum is building, um, and I think it's going to be a lot of movement. And I'm excited about it, man. Okay, right on. Uh, the one thing I will say as we round out this podcast. This draft will be remembered for years to come, not because of the virtual draft aspect of it. I mean, obviously, that's an important factor to it in terms of delivering and, you know, breaking down who you're going to pick. But, you know, just think about the medical staff, you know, Um, a lot of these teams that were interested in Tua did not get the chance to take a look with their own doctors and look at his hip. Uh, A lot of teams could not have a pro day whether it be at Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, they, they didn't get that. Um, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of players that, I will, I'll just say they, they fuck up during the NFL Combine, but they'll make up for it in their pro day at their respective colleges. That was lost. Um, a lot of, I mean, Zoom and FaceTime is awesome, but there, there's something to be said to see someone face-to-face and get a true vibe with that player in terms of his character, right? So... Agreed. I'm just curious to see, because we are devoid of that opportunity in 2020, will that really devalue or water down the quality of scouting that these teams are able to do? Because every other year, they have those tools to do it and make their evaluation. But this year, they're they're really, I mean, obviously they have more insight than us, but I feel like they're just as evenly matched as us at our couch, zooming with friends and just reading reports i mean that's pretty much what they're doing obviously they do more than just that but they can't have you know they can't see and evaluate these players like they usually would and i'm very curious to see how this is going to go and how you evaluate these players three four years out after this draft that's all i'm saying that's a great point i mean how do you put your franchise and everything on a on a tua when you don't when there's so many varying reports about a tip um, I mean, of course, the doctor's going to say, oh, his doctor's going to say they look okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, if Bill Parcells saying of um, you're screwed for 10 years is still a thing anymore, but it sure screws up this year and maybe next year until you can get in the driver's seat and, and, and have the opportunity to get somebody you really like again. So, um, yeah, that's a very interesting point. Medical staff, so that was huge. The scouting, I think, is, is, is right on par with what you're saying and that um, – they're sitting on couches, they're watching a ton of college film, maybe more than they uh, may have not had the opportunity to uh, do before. So the medical is, is, is the one that, that's poking me, like, oh, that's huge. Yeah, maybe they're not getting true medical documents, getting their own trusted doctors in there to see the physicals and do the physicals. And, yeah, that, that could make this uh, 
guys they know well. I could see teams moving up to get those guys because they have a trust factor with them. Right. We'll see what happens. Uh, that's one of those uh, case point in, case in point that we'll find out a couple years after. So keep that in mind. Okay, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, just just for shits and giggles, Bobby. Let me ask you this: uh, If you are a prospective GM and you could be a GM of any team, given this current status relationship with owners, players, salary cap, I don't know, whatever you want to evaluate. Maybe they have hot chicks in that neck of the woods, but uh, give me five teams that you would like to be, you know, it would be ideal to be a general manager in the NFL. I'll name one and then you name one. Yeah. Oh, you want to do one at a time? Yeah, let's do one at a time, just just for shits and giggles. Yeah, let's go ahead. You know, I, I, don't, I didn't put them in any order. Okay. Um, so I would go with the uh, Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, as the, uh, as the first talking point in that they have Patrick Mahomes. They have a lot of young talent. Uh, the defense is strong enough to get them there. Um, Kansas City is Kansas City, but their cap situation is in hand. It's not, it's not terrible. Um, they don't have a lot of money that needs to be paid out beyond the Mahomes contract um, whenever that rolls around. Um, again, I think that that's a place you'd want to work with a dream quarterback. You've got a good head coach. You have a good staff. Um, not a lot of guys. Not a lot of those guys were left um, after winning the two bowl. Um, the stadiums a little older. Maybe the facilities are not as new as others. But uh, I have the Chiefs there on my list. Okay, I'll go ahead and cheat a bit because I'll pick the New England Patriots because you know I'm I'm, I'm not Belichick by any means, but. You know, technically, I, uh, if in that position, I'm the head coach and general manager. Um, but let's just say I'm the general manager. Um, you have stable ownership in craft. You have a good head coach that's been there for, for ages. Um, and for the most part, they, they know how to run, truly run a professional organization. Okay, uh, I have no doubt that the players from the top down are, are run the way it's supposed to be. Things don't go awry with the culture. Um, they're serious. They, they know what to do. And that is something where, you know, as a general manager, I can appreciate, you know. Um, they they want to win. And even though the next couple of years might be interesting post-Tom Brady, uh, that, is, that is an ideal situation. Maybe it might be a little tough to be the general manager after Belichick, after Tom Brady, but uh, let's, just, let's just go go ahead and go with this drill. Um, what would be number two for you? I rethought it, and I'd have to put the Pats on my list as well. Okay. Um, we can talk about who I almost had on the list at the end here. But uh, continuity is the big one that came out to me. Um, everything you said, plus it's just the New England way. And uh, the winners, man, uh, that, that means something. When you're a winner, you're, you're going to do whatever it takes to get back there, no matter what. Um, so I think Patriots uh, have to be in your, in your five. All right. I'll keep it on the East Coast. Uh, number two for me. And by, by the way, this is in, in no particular order. Um, I'll go with Philly. Philadelphia Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. They have a very passionate fan base. Uh, for better or worse, a love-hate relationship. Uh, but I think that from the top down, they're always competitive. They have a good front seven. They have a, you know, obviously he's been hurt. But Carson Wentz, franchise quarterback. They just won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, for those that forgot. But they're always in the mix, and I think that from the top down as well, 
they're always competitive. They're usually right there to compete. And I, you know, like I said, I, I like the fan base. I, I love um, seeing them on Sunday night f- football, Monday night football uh, at at Philadelphia. It's it's a fun atmosphere. So go ahead and get me Philly. Yeah, and in a division that uh, is winnable. Uh, with all the talent they have on the roster in and out, they have a big quarterback and he's a stable head coach. Yeah, I like that pick. It's all okay. They're not on my list, but I like that pick. Um, if I would have made another pick, I just, my fandom will not allow me to not favor the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, um, oh, really? Of, okay. Yeah. The amount of young talent um, in the roster, in the building, and head coach. Um, the GM that hasn't made a, a ton of bad moves, hasn't made very many bad moves. You could say has made more good moves than bad. He does his job. Um, I'm in love with Kyle and everything that he can do as a play caller. Uh, it gets me going, gets me all fired up all the time. Um, and they have a stadium quarterback, newer stadium, uh, maybe not being in San Francisco, but close enough for the media that it's still a central hub, big barrier, uh, central hub. So, uh, the Niners out of the North. Okay, I see your Niners, and I'll match it. And I agree with everything. Plus, you know, for the fact they're the only team in the Bay Area now. As of now, they're the only team in the Bay Area, which is awesome. So they take that whole... Yep. I don't want to say they'll, they'll take the entire fanship, but it's nice to have that on the Bay Area side. And yeah, I think that, you know, in years past, Jed York has been an asshole of an owner to work with. But maybe he has turned the corner. They gave John Lynch, they gave Kyle Shadden six-year deals, committed, uh, and he's taken a step back. He's he shut up. I haven't really heard too much of him uh, outside of like you know working in sunny California and being in the Bay Area. Uh, they have a pretty fun offensive scheme in Kyle Shanahan. So I think the arrow is certainly up in San Francisco. And they were just in the Super Bowl, I'm pretty sure, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, they didn't win it, <laughs> damn it, but yeah, they were. They were in it. Okay, uh, both with Niners. Um, my my fourth team, I have no idea over here. Uh, my fourth team, although I can't stand them, uh, Pete Carroll gives me nightmares, I got to put the Seahawks on the list, man. Just like you were talking about in the draft. They're always picking in the back in the draft, and that's because they're so successful. They're always in it. They're always the team that you don't want to go to Seattle, but then again, they're always the team that seems to play okay on the road or well on the road most years. They have Russell Wilson, um, great fan base, great stadium. Uh, Seems to have a year-in-year-out pretty good roster, but when you can have Russell Wilson, it changes everything, so... Uh, the Seahawks got to be in my, my five list. I can appreciate the 12s, okay? I can appreciate the 12s, for sure. They weren't on my list, but I, I see you. I'll pick another NFC West team, and maybe they're not in the best of flavor right now because, you know, they've had a pretty rough offseason, but I'll, I'll pick the LA Rams, you know? I know that they're competing with the LA Chargers, but they're the team in LA. They get a brand-new stadium, they just went to the Super Bowl a couple seasons ago. Uh, not Kyle Shanahan, but I like Sean McVay and what he brings to the table. Uh, their training camp is my alma mater, which is in UC Irvine, which is awesome. Love California. I love LA. Uh, I like their roster. Even though they have some 
dead money on the salary cap. But you know what? As a general manager, that's why you pay me the big bucks to, to figure that shit out. So I would love to be the general manager for the LA Rams. On the beach, um, you may not be happy with your quarterback, but you really are happy with your head coach. Uh, yeah, man, the Rams are tough to beat. I, I, I was going for a top five and, top and bottom five, and I had them on the edge of my bottom five. List. I was like, no, they're the freaking the LA Rams. It's Los Angeles. You can't have them in your bottom five job. Um, so I, I, I can't argue them being uh, in the top ten. I don't I, I don't know about top five, but I get where you're coming from. It's L.A. It's, it's the big daddy. Um, I get it. I can roll with it. You still have two more left, by the way. You said the Niners, the Chiefs, the Seahawks. So you have two more. Uh, I think the Pats. Oh, shoot. Pats. Oh, the Pats. There you go. Okay, there you go. Okay, so you have one more then, right? And then, yeah, my, my last uh, uh, team, I had a lot of consideration um, Dallas is tough to leave off this list. Jerry Jones, they have all the money in the world. Biggest, newest, coolest stadium out there. Um, uh, DJ, a lot of flag talent on the team. Of the Saints, there's not enough with uh, the quarterback situation. Sean Payne's been rumored to be leaving the last two or three years. Uh, the roster is stacked. Old stadium, New Orleans in general. Uh, um, very close, but I decided to go with the Ravens. Um, big Harbaugh fan. Um, Lamar seems to be the real deal. I don't know if the truth is the right word, but he seems to be the real deal right now. Um, count on the rise. Uh, they could they could have easily been um, in the Super Bowl if not for a few mistakes. Um, I, I think the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens are in there. You got it. Go ahead. Last but not least. Um... You know, as much as like the Niners, I'll go with who you alluded to, which was the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, they've been they've been close and they, they keep choking, which is, you know, fine with me. But, you know, they always feel a pretty competitive roster. They, they have their core in, in place with Dak Prescott. Hopefully they resign him. Uh, Zeke Elliott, you know, I like the pieces that, that they have. Um, good fast front seven, decent secondary. Um, you know, so the, the team's intact. But outside of the team, I mean, they're freaking Dallas, baby. You know, like they have a big, I won't say they're America's team, but yeah, they're America's team. You're right. They're, they're always prime time. Uh, they're, they're always on the national spotlights. A lot of pressure. The big, the big lights, uh, big tech, you know, they do it big in Dallas, Texas. Uh, and obviously you got Jerry Jones too as your owner. But, you know, it's, um, it's a lot of pressure to be in Dallas. But, I mean, there's a lot of pressure to be in Philly, to be in New York. I get it. But if I'm a general manager, yeah, I want to be prime time. So go ahead and give me the Dallas Cowboys. I'll pick. Can't argue much about it. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So having said that, any other final thoughts as we lead into the 2020 NFL draft? I can't believe it. Any other thoughts? Um, excited. Um Hope that you're staying safe. Hope you're doing well. Congratulations on uh, you and your organization uh, uh, having a huge accomplishment in the donation to a local Oakland hospital. That is awesome. Supporting the uh, local hospitals in the Bay Area. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, stay, stay safe. Keep listening to scientists. They're going to tell us what, what to do here. And 
Once again, I appreciate you having me on. Right on. Bobby, I appreciate your time too. For those that don't know, Bobby is a father, which means he's been limited to feature himself on the pod because usually if I get Bobby, I also get his daughter screaming on the other side of the phone. So that's always well appreciated. And uh, yeah, no, stay safe for your daughter, your wife, your friends. Just we'll get through this together because... Uh, that's what we do. We we get past hard times and we will move forward. So to your guys' point, you know, the NFL draft is one of the lone things outside of like, I don't know, like the last dance. But it's one of the few things in sports right now that we can look forward to. So let's go ahead and have a party with it. Let's do it. Listeners, appreciate you listening to the pod, whether it's on Spotify or iTunes. You could also check me out on Instagram at Just the West. Twitter at Just the West, and of course the, the blog, which has my mock draft at www.justthewest.com. Until next time, we out here. Peace.